This episode is brought to you in part by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Experience the joy and freedom that comes from a faith that perseveres. Check out Unshakable Moxie, growing a resilient faith at unshakablemoxie.com from Our Daily Bread Ministries. Visit unshakablemoxie.com. Hey, this is Kat, and you're listening to Holy Curiosity. Before the episode starts, I wanted to acknowledge the heaviness of the story we're covering in this miniseries. If it's troubling to you, you may want to know more, want to go deeper. You can find a free PDF listener guide on my website. While you're there, you can share feedback, ask questions, and get more information on future episodes. Just go to catarmstrong.com forward slash podcast, or you can find the link in the show notes. Let's jump in. This episode contains content related to sexual assault. Please listen with care. This is it. This is the conclusion of our miniseries on Dinah and the Woman at the Wells connection through Shechem. And here's what I want you to see in this last episode. The Samaritan woman's Shechem story is literary redemption for Dinah's Shechem story. I'm Kat Armstrong, and you're listening to Holy Curiosity, a podcast highlighting the genius storytelling of God from the Old Testament to the New. Each week, we'll explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture. My hope is that these stories will spark a holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. In this final episode of the first Holy Curiosity mini-series, I need to process everything we've talked about so far with a friend. That's why I invited Cheryl Luke to be on the show. Cheryl has spent the majority of her life in vocational ministry as a leader, pastor, and ministry director. She is a treasure to the body of Christ. Cheryl has her own podcast, and you need to go subscribe to it because she's a powerful communicator, Bible teacher, and leader. Go follow her. And here's what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to answer this question. How is the Samaritan woman's Shechem story literary redemption for Dinah's Shechem story? By the time we end the show, we will have learned in this miniseries about Dinah and the Samaritan woman, and we'll be able to apply it to our own lives. We're going to talk about some difficult things in this episode like rape and abuse. And I want you to be prepared for those first few minutes of my conversation with Cheryl. She has such a tenderness. It's inviting and it's warm. And I loved having this conversation with my dear friend. Cheryl, it brings me so much joy to see your face and spend time with you. I'm thrilled to be here with you. I really want people to know, Cheryl, you. Okay. So I would love for you to share just a little bit about your personal story. I mean, today we're going to talk about some hard topics, some pretty mm-hmm. amazing topics. Mm-hmm. We are going to journey through Shechem. We're going to talk about Dinah and the Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious how you, how your story relates to the stories that we've studied. Well, I'm Cheryl Luke. I have fortunately been Christian all of my life. And I am nearing 60 years in about six months and a few days. And so I was 
really thinking through some of the questions that we're going to talk about, some of the things that we're going to talk about and my story and how grateful I am to have had the privilege of knowing Christ, knowing God all my life and having a mother who was single, who raised four children, love the Lord and allow him to be a very upfront and personal part of her life so that I was able to catch what it looked like to live a life that looks like Christ. And in the midst of all of the mistakes, in the midst of trial and error, in the midst of trauma and victory. And so I, I feel very fortunate to have been raised in a Christian home. I have a portion of my story that I very rarely share or that I very rarely get into. And I'll talk about that in a moment, but I am a product of a broken home. My father left when I was very young and it turned out that he had a family on the other side of town. And, you know, just walking through that as a young girl, looking back, the impact of that story has affected me in many different ways. And it comes up even recently. And I've learned to do to get on the other side of the pain that's associated with trauma. And so I've been married and divorced I um, experienced a rape as a young woman, and I just have chosen not to share that portion of my story much, but I don't know how I can dive into the depths of what this story is without talking about my experience having been raped and the mm -hmm. silence that I took on myself because I chose not to tell anyone and the number of years that I was impacted by the trauma that came as a result of being helpless and not knowing really what was happening because I was innocent and so naive. And I resonate wholeheartedly with Dinah and the silence, even though the silence was different, but it is palpable and it screams. And my preparation and planning to talk with you, I thought I have to go there. I didn't know that, Cheryl. Yeah. I don't talk about it. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing it now. Mm -hmm. My emotions are not because I've experienced anything similar. Mm -hmm. I just hear this story. Yeah all the time and yes. not just from women. Yeah. I just hear this story a lot. I was in a meeting going through different phases of my life with a type of counselor. And we were going from birth to where I was at that time in life. And I sort of glazed over my experience, the trauma of having been raped. And she stopped me and she said, you were awfully cavalier about your experience having been raped. Can we stop there and talk about that? And I'll never forget the moment because I really have tucked that away in a portion of my heart and have not really brought it out to or exposed it or talked about it in a way that honestly that I feel is helpful for the kingdom. Yeah. So thank you for bringing me here. Would you say that that's your primary Shechem story? No, that is not my primary Shechem story. I think I have a number of Shechem stories, but I believe my primary Shechem story is my father 
walking away and um, not having the relationship that I had prior to his leaving. It changed everything. I was a daddy's girl, I thought. I thought that he would never leave, I thought. I thought that he loved me in a way or that he would show me his love, even not being in the home, by being around. And he wasn't. And so there was a, a form of silence that I experienced through my life that was damaging. That's my Shechem story. And yeah. he's not around to talk about it because he's passed away. So I don't even have the opportunity to go to him and and hash it out. I have the privilege of hashing it out with my father in heaven. Man, it's it's hard to argue with and have a conversation with people who are gone already. And mm -hmm. I know that. Yes. I know that pain a little bit in a different way. But I used to joke. And I know it's a weird joke, but when you lose someone, you get real weird in your humor for a little bit. Absolutely. But I would say it's so hard to argue with dead people. It is so hard to stay mad at my dad who's gone now. Right. And so I think a lot of people can relate to what you're talking about. And I wanted to lead with that, that you and I both have Shechem stories and yes. we're not, we haven't moved on to Sikar yet. And mm. we know the Savior's on the way to mm -hmm. Samaria, but, you know, I haven't seen him yet. He's like far in the distance type right. of thing. Yeah. These stories aren't like wrapped in a bow. I didn't bring Cheryl on to, you know, wrap this little mini series up mm. and say, everything's going to be okay. It's great. But I do think that we're not staying in Shechem without a Savior, that he mm. is coming. And that is our hopeful anticipation. So I know that you've gotten into Dinah's story more. You've gotten into the Samaritan woman story in preparation. So have I. So what have been your reflections? What new mm. things are popping up at you? I can't get past Jacob. I can't get past his silence. And the question that I have for Jacob is what happened to you? What happened to you that you didn't have the ability to care for your daughter? I know she was defiled and I'm sure there were norms during that time that they adhered to, but that was your daughter. And I also know that this is the man that loved a girl and married uh, someone that wasn't the one he loved. And, you know, on his wedding night, he woke up the next morning and there was a different woman lying beside him. And this is the man that had to work for several years in order to receive the one he loved. So what happened to you that would cause you to be silent when your young daughter was raped? And then you waited to tell your sons you know, and I, I say this with a bit of angst because I feel some kind of way about him, Kat. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. But I, I also think about the person who's listening, if I can go there, who has been raped and no one said anything or experienced some type of trauma or pain that... No one stood up for her or no one stood up for you. And going back to the story, the brothers, when they heard, they schemed after they negotiated the yep. wedding. That negotiation yep. 
also made me feel some kind of way. This girl is broken. You're over here talking about the marriage and Mm -hmm. she's broken, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure. And, but the brothers scheme and they not only wreck havoc on Shechem and his family, they tear down the town. Yep. And they decimate the town, which to me makes me think about family. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about, about my story that I hardly share. And that is, you know, when I was married and we were dissolving our marriage, my brother called me and asked me what happened, asked me a bank of questions. He lived in another city. And after I answered the questions, he was very um, resolute. He didn't ask me how I was doing at that moment. And I knew that something was brewing in him. And when I was done telling him everything that happened, he said, I'll be there in the morning. And I said, no, 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 no. There's no need for you to come. There's no. So I understand the the brother's heart from the abused perspective. And honestly, in my humanness, I am not mad at her brothers. I'm not mad at them. But when you think about the fact that God gave her a name, like she was named. And most of us who, not all of us, but a lot of us who have experienced trauma, we don't talk about it. And the numbers of people who have experienced sexual trauma, you you might just be sitting next to someone and you would never know her name. Mm-hmm. But we know about Dinah and how That's kind right. of the Lord to name her and to name what happened to her so that we can look at her and say, you know what? I identify with you. I identify with the silence. And then how kind of the Lord to send his son to this woman who's sitting at a well. And we don't know her name because she is us as well. That's right. She's all of us. And then you have the nameless woman at the well. And we we don't know her name, but we're still talking about her Mm -hmm. all these years later. I think the woman at the well... She's a powerful woman. The thing that has gripped my mind as I think about what I thought about her and what I think about her now reminds me of how we deal with each other when we have these assumptions about who we think other people are and then we get to spend time with them. And we see that they're not who we thought they are, when in fact, they are learned, they are smart, they are not afraid to ask the question, they are intuitive and can see beyond what's right in front of them. In terms of speaking of this lady at the well, she sees Jesus He not only sees and knows her, she's been looking for this Savior. That's right. And he's standing right before her. And something says, are you him? Mm -hmm. And then she asks the question, are you better than Jacob? Girl, 
that question, are you better than Jacob? When I read the question and I think through Dinah and this woman who is nameless at the same place, there is restitution, there's healing, there's so much wrapped up in that one question and that encounter that I don't know that we are going to be privy to all that's wrapped up in that. But I'm going to put my hands on my hips while I'm talking to you. Are you better than Jacob? And I think about that young girl, Dinah, whom we know, whose name we know, who was raped and dismissed. And then this woman who Jesus says, you not only have one husband, you have five. And engaging intentionally in conversation with this woman. I'm not going to call you by your name. I'm going to call out who you are. I appreciate, too, the fact that he entrusts her with the message to take to the people of the town. And I keep thinking if she were of ill repute, people would not have wanted to listen to her. Mm -mm. And I caught that probably the last time I read the scripture in preparing for this. And I'm thinking these assumptions that we have about people are heavy. Mm -hmm. He entrusted a woman with the gospel message. And I think that's beautiful. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Well, we've talked about our reflections on our readings. We've talked about how we're processing these two women's stories connected through Shechem with our own Shechem stories. But I wonder if you and I could express what we would say to someone mm -hmm. who may be also processing this. For Cheryl, for you to put on your pastoral hat and mm -hmm. your counseling hat and your spiritual director hat is men and women read these stories, listen to these shows. What do you want to say to them? What do you want to help them process through? I think the first thing that I would say is make every effort to understand the scripture 
from its context because that's so critical, especially, I would say, especially today. Um, the second thing I would say is the Lord sees you. The Lord knows your name. He knows your circumstance. He is with you and has always been with you. And I think about the person who may have, that might be listening, that may be an abuser. And I want to talk to that person. The Lord sees you too. And the Lord knows you. He has a plan for your life. And there's forgiveness for you on a level that you will never be able to understand. And if you're in a situation where you're continuing to abuse, I just want to challenge you to find the help that you need and know that there's a love for you that you can receive that's been waiting for you that will radically change your life. And you are not defined by what you've done. And for the person who's been traumatized, you are not defined by your pain. There is hope on the other side of your pain. And healing takes time. And we live in a culture where we want to see change quickly. And sometimes it takes time. And I would say give yourself the, the time and the space and to be patient to find and experience the healing that you deserve. Undoing some of the things that we have been through is not easy. And taking the time to go back and possibly relive through memory and verbally some of the things that we've walked through is very difficult. But when we name what we've walked through, the healing on the other side is powerful and healing comes when we name it. And, and it, when we name what happened to us, the power of the impact is removed. We'll have the memory, but the impact is affected. And so allowing Christ and other people into our trauma, into our pain, into our troubles is very, very important. And then thirdly, I think it's important to know some of the things that have helped me overcome some of my trauma and my pain. The first thing is community. I'm not a person of very many words. I don't talk a lot. I don't like to express myself. But the thing that I've learned is having a therapist and having my friends around and bringing them into my pain has been so helpful on a level that I can't articulate. Getting into the word and learning scripture is who we are and it's important to our legacy and it's important for us through eternity, I'll say. And so understanding scripture and knowing that the word of God is for us, that it's alive and that it's active and it's for you. Let me not say us. I'm going to say it's for you, the person listening is critical and it's true. I journal in a very specific way, particularly if I'm troubled, I identify what happened. I identify how I feel. I identify what I need. And I identify something in the word of God that will help me in that moment. And then I reframe my thought. And that, again, is just another tool. It may not be for everyone, but it has helped me tremendously, particularly when I'm in these moments of struggle, 
But that journaling piece has been unbelievably powerful for me. That was just a masterclass. Mm. Cheryl, thank you for offering your personal encouragement. But I also felt as though you have been ready for this moment right Mm. now to speak to this moment. And I really appreciate that. I think that a lot of people are going to hear your voice and understand how the spirit has empowered Mm. you to speak to our generation. I wanted to tell you, Cheryl, thank you for addressing the folks who are abusing and that God sees them and knows them and loves them. I'm thinking about Jacob, who brings us a little bit of angst when we think about this part of his story. And yet I'm reminded of the many songs I sing throughout my week Mm -hmm. that declare that God is the God of Jacob. That's very good. That that is a title that followed Jacob, that God is his God, (laughs) and that he is connected to his creator and has access to God and can be like God and reflect God. And that is possible. Mm -hmm. That's available. And I also appreciated your encouragement to those of us who find our story in Dinah's or the woman at the wells, or that find that the people we love most can relate to these characters. Mm -hmm. And we've lived parallel alongside them, following their journey in community. And I would just say that God is also ours too. Mm. He is ours too. Yes, he is the God of Jacob and Joseph and all these characters in the Old Testament, but he is our God too. Yes, he is. And when that woman dropped that water jug and ran into town, probably on a full-on sprint with that pretty pitiful gospel presentation, and then the revival breaks out, she is simply saying, could this be our God? And he is. And I think that that's what we take away from it is they're saying he is our God and he is the God of the world. Everybody, even the Shechem people, (laughs) even the Sikar people. Yes. I would say that your story matters. It is very easy to consider ourselves as insignificant in the storyline of eternity, but we've all been called to share the message And just like I'll use myself, I don't like to talk about having been raped, but I do know that that portion of my story, while I'm healed and finding healing from that, is going to be beneficial for somebody else. And there is a ripple effect that happens when I share my story and you find some level of healing, and then you share your story, and somebody else finds some level of healing. There's a power there that we will never know. And again, the ripple effect of freedom that's found in our story, we won't know until eternity maybe, but our stories matter. And God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a hurt. told you. I knew you'd love Cheryl. Dinah makes biblical history. She's one of the few women who are named at birth. In contrast, the Samaritan woman at the well is nameless in her story. But I don't want you to miss this truth. Jesus knows the Samaritan woman's name. He knows our name. We may not know her name, but he does. Cheryl and I talked a lot about this in the episode, that what gets us in Dinah's story is her father's silence. 
It's like adding insult to injury. Jacob's failures as a patriarch left women vulnerable. But Jesus is better than Jacob in every respect. In fact, this was one of the questions the Samaritan woman asked Jesus in John 4, 12. You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? And the answer is yes. Yes, Jesus is greater. I think God is sending us a message about what He can do with our Shechem-like places, with our Shechem stories. No longer will silence about rape be tolerated here. No longer will we tolerate abusive men in positions of power. It ends with Jesus. He enters into our broken places like He owns them and He redeems them. No place is too broken, no person too far gone for Jesus to change the narrative with His presence. And if this is what Jesus can do with Shechem, what do you think He can do with your Shechem? That's all for me, y'all. Stay curious. Holy Curiosity is a production of Christianity Today. The executive producers are Eric Petrick and Mike Cosper. Leslie Thompson is our producer. Our associate producer is Mackenzie Hill. Audio editing is done by Kevin Morris. Go deeper with me on Instagram at katarmstrong1 or on my website, katarmstrong.com.